we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Wake that ass up. In the morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Republican presidential candidate, Nikki former governor Haley. of South Carolina. Nikki Haley. That's right. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. How are you? All is good. I can't complain. Listen, South Carolina's still proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I read recently that you, you got swatted twice. Twice. twice since, yeah. since the end of December. Mm-hmm. They were targeting high profile uh, politicians. Yeah. And you know, the hard part about that is I wasn't home. But we take care of my parents. They're 87 and 90. And when you have 25 people show up with guns drawn to them, 
Like, what's happened to our country? Come mm-hmm. on. I mean, we can't keep living like this. It's not normal. It's not healthy. There's nothing good about what's happening right now in the country. Mm-hmm. And it, look, we have a chance to change that. That's what I'm trying to do. They didn't uh, kick down the door or anything like that. Or did they? They actually, they saw my parents through the window. They told them to put their hands up. Jesus. They came through the door. And I mean, immediately, like my parents had their hands up and they came in and separated them, talked to them. I mean, it, it was just, it was a traumatic situation. Twice, but twice. Wow. The second time they didn't come in because it had happened once before. So mm-hmm. they were more cautious the first time it was full on. They mm-hmm. didn't know it was your house? South Carolina. It's like... <laughs> they They didn't know. Wow. How did that make you feel? Look, I, the reason I'm doing this, I don't want my kids to live like this. Mm-hmm. We're, I know we're better than this. I grew up in a small rural town, and we took care of each other. It was neighbors taking care of neighbors. And there was just something simple about it. And there was just something that was that was good. You genuinely wanted to take care of people. Mm-hmm. And we've lost that. I mean, right now you see hatred. You see division. You see anger. I mean, you see these things where they're trying to, like, undercut people, and it's just, you know, it was exacerbated after COVID. But it's all the more reason why we need to go back and say, wait a minute. Stop taking all this so personally. This isn't personal. This is just about getting our country back on track. A swatting is personal, though. If I call somebody's house, if I say, hey, this is going down in this house, that was personal. Well, I mean, it's personal from a political perspective, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what, it's a blood sport to, to run for office these days, but... Yeah, I mean, that's it is. But it, it goes to show why. And it's why I'm so determined to finish this Yeah, is because I know America's better than this. But do you lose the love for it? Right. You just told us some of the reasons why you want to do this. Right. And then you talk about some of the, the sides that are against that. Right. You want to do it because you said you want to help people. You want to be the person that, you know, what you grew up on and what you wanted to see. But then you talk about them swatting your house, which is making your life miserable and your parents life. Your parents could have had a heart attack, you mm-hmm. know. Then you talk about Donald Trump attacking you the way that he's attacking you. I mean, they dive into your personal life. They dive into an alleged affair. They dive into anything that you've ever done or allegedly have ever done into your life. And it's when does it get to the point you'd be like, excuse me, part of my friends, but fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, I mean, it's all lies. But what they don't realize is politics is the art of distraction. The more they do that, the more motivated I get. Because it's everything that's wrong with politics. Mm-hmm. It's everything that's wrong in this country that we have to clean up. So I do this. I'll take the pain. I'll take whatever it is. I'm a tough girl. I can handle it. This is politics is not personal for me. This is about the fact that we can't be okay with our country like this. We can't be okay with two 80-year-olds running for president. We can't be okay with the fact that, look, the 75% of Americans are saying they don't want a Trump-Biden rematch. The majority of Americans disprove of Trump and disprove of Biden. You know, both these fellas put us trillions of dollars in debt that our kids are never going to forgive them for. At what point do we not say, you know what, maybe we need to go with a new generational leader. Mm -hmm. These older guys don't want to let go of the power. That's what this has always been. But the problem is, look at what happened after the New Hampshire election. So we got 43%. We started with 14 candidates in the race. You know, one by one, we got rid of the fellows, right? So then it's me and and Trump going in. I started with 2% in Iowa. I ended up with 20%. We go to New Hampshire, we get 43%. Now, the way to look at that is Trump, as an incumbent, didn't get 43%. Mm -hmm. He's so upset, he throws a temper tantrum on stage and talks about revenge. 
Then the next day, he says anybody that supports Nikki Haley is not going to be part of MAGA. If you're running for president, this is a story of addition. You should want everybody. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't push anybody away. And so, you know, we had fun. We've always had fun with it. So we did these barred permanently T-shirts. We sold 15,000 T-shirts. Mm -hmm. Then the next day, he goes and pushes the Republican Party to say that he's the nominee to get me out. We don't do coronations in this country. Mm-hmm. Two states have voted. You need 1,215 delegates. He has 32. I have 17. This is far from over. We're not giving up. And this is everything that's wrong. The chaos of all of this is everything that's wrong in our country. And you look, we lost five amazing souls, three soldiers in Iraq and Syria, and then you've got the two Navy SEALs. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're doing? What do you, what do you think the response to that, to that should be? Well, I think, first of all, Look at how we got here. Mm-hmm. This would never have happened if Biden wouldn't have fallen all over himself to get back in the Iran deal. When he lifted the sanctions, you sent billions of dollars to Iran's proxies, Hamas, Houthis, and Hezbollah. And what do they do? They don't take care of their people. They go and they say death to America. Then you don't – my husband's deployed right now. We expect America to take care of our men and women when they're overseas. He didn't do something after the first strike. He didn't do something after the second strike. 165 strikes, dozens of people injured with brain injuries, and you're waiting for people to die to do something? That's not what you do. What we should do is put the sanctions back on immediately. The second thing is go take out the operations where they're sending these drones and missiles from in Iraq and Syria. And then thirdly, go after the military commanders taking making these decisions. Take out one or two of those IRGC members. That's what will get their attention. You don't have to go bomb Iran. This is not about hitting hard. It's about hitting smart. Mm. That's what we need to do. You know, you mentioned uh, the numbers in New Hampshire and the uh, numbers in Iowa. And it's clear to me that when you look at those numbers, Republicans are looking for something different. A lot of Republicans are looking for something different. So why are conservatives willing to just turn the Republican Party over to MAGA? You know, I think that people... I voted for Trump twice. Mm-hmm. I was proud to serve America in his administration. I think people see that he never got an ounce of credit or a moment's peace. And they see him in these fights and they think that they need to show him thank you by being with him. But if you look at that, the the speech after New Hampshire or even the court cases and all that, he never talks about the American people. He never talks about what we're going to do to get this wasteful spending out of the way and get our economy back on track. He never talks about how we're going to get our kids reading again and go back to the basics in education. He never talks about securing the border unless he's saying stop it because I don't want it to happen until the election. I mean, he never talks about law and order in this country. He doesn't talk about these wars. That's what you got to be talking about. It's And honestly, with Biden and Trump, they care more about their investigations and themselves than they do about what we need to do in the country. And that's every reason why we need to go in a new direction. Why did you vote for him twice? If you feel this way about Trump, why did you feel that you had to vote for him twice? The reason I voted for him um, the first time was it was clear that our country needed a self-correction. Trump was good at breaking things. We needed to break some things. We needed to rattle the cages. And then, you know, the second time I voted for him is I didn't want Biden. I saw that Biden was Obama 2.0. 
And I didn't want to take that chance of where he was going to take us. I knew they wanted to get back in the Iran deal. I knew that they weren't serious about closing the border. I knew that the wasteful spending that we had seen was going to happen. And so I voted for Trump thinking that he was going to do more of the same. But the reality is now chaos follows Donald Trump. Everywhere he goes, chaos follows him. And we can't be a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. There will be a first female president. It's either going to be Kamala Harris or it's going to be me. And it should send a chill up everyone's spine thinking about the fact that it would be Kamala Harris. Why why wouldn't you vote for Hillary in 2016? Because I don't agree with anything that Hillary has said. I don't Mm -hmm. know that there's any policies of hers that I agree with. And so for me, look, the reason I'm running now is because... I'm an accountant. I think it's finally time we have an accountant in the White House. I've been a two-term governor that took a double-digit unemployment state and turned it into an economic powerhouse. Mm -hmm. I dealt with Russia, China, and Iran every day at the U.N. I know what it takes to prevent war. And I think it's time that we have somebody that's a new generational leader that's not looking at the past but actually looking at solutions going forward. Now, you talk about your policies and and some of the policies and the things that you stand on. You also said that. You felt like uh, Biden would have been, I guess, Obama 2.0. Mm-hmm. What didn't you like about the Obama administration that you would have changed immediately? Like, what were you were against? There are a couple. And, and, and you said something about Kamala. I want to ask why you said if Kamala was president, why it would send chills down sure. your spine? Sure. So a couple of things. I think with Obama, that was, if you go back, that's when we really started to feel the division. That's when we were, it, it was. A the lot whole, of that was because of white supremacists, though. Well, no, I think it was it was everything. Everything was exaggerated with the Obama administration. It became more about gender. It became more about race. It became more about separating Americans instead of bringing them together. That it was because of the right wing media, though. Well, they were they were scared to death of a black president. Look, I don't think everybody is at fault. I'm not saying that one person did this, but I'm saying under that administration, it really did cause some. You just felt people felt like they were being put in camps through that administration. The second thing is I saw he he was very much an Iranian sympathizer. He very much kept wanting to support and do things with Iran. I think that's incredibly dangerous. This is a a culture that says death to America, and you have to always be careful. A lot of spending happened on his watch that started us down that spiral. And then Obama did a lot of things by executive order. And that really started the, he did a lot by executive order. Then Trump came in and reversed it all by executive order. Then Biden went and reversed it all there. You've got to do it the hard way. You've got to get Congress to come together and do those things because that makes it permanent. So what that did is that created leaders from around the world. saw you just wait out a president. But more than that, people got used to just quick fixes instead of coming together and doing the hard work. So it was more about what do we need to do to move us forward in a way that we're lifting up everybody, not a select few. That's when I started to see it. Kamala, it's from an experience standpoint. I mean, she's never been a governor. She's never had executive experience. She was a senator for a couple of years. But the things that Biden gave her, she didn't do anything with them. The border, she didn't do anything. I've spent more time at the border than she spent at the border. When it came to artificial intelligence, he gave her that. She didn't do anything with it. America's behind everybody else when it comes to artificial intelligence. I just haven't seen her do anything. She went to overseas. He sent her to a a foreign policy conference. She should have been talking about how we're going to have more allies with Philippines and India and South Korea and Japan and all that. 
she didn't say anything. And China just had their way with that conversation. It's not about her personally. It's about the fact that we are looking at a dangerous time in our country. This is not the time to go and and put somebody in there and say, oh, we're going to do this because you do it because we've got to get the right person in there and stop with the labels and stop with the division and stop with who's in who's which camp and start focusing on how we're going to get America patriotic again and loving each other again. Question about the executive orders. If, if there's like immediate needs that, you know, need to be met in that moment and you can't get Congress on the same page, I don't have a problem with the president take an executive order. I wish it would be something more permanent, but I, I I like that type of leadership. So I think you do. Executive orders were meant to, for right now, for example, mm-hmm. Biden should do an executive order to stop everything on the border, and then Congress should finish it. Mm-hmm. It's starting and then finishing. So if you do it in that respect, you're fixing things quickly, but you're going with a plan to actually fix it. You just don't want to do it because it's the lazy way out, gotcha. right? You want to do it the hard way. Let's let's talk about our beautiful state of South Carolina. That's mm-hmm. where the next Republican primary is. Now, based on simple math, people say there is no path for you to win South Carolina. So is it about ego at this point? Because it feels like it could be like a suicide mission. You know, but why, do, why are people saying that? What's the proof in that? Mm-hmm. So I moved 25 points in New Hampshire in three weeks. My approval rating in South Carolina is 76%. Mm-hmm. People like what I did as governor. My job now is to show them that I could be a good president. We had an event in North Charleston. We had 1,000 people. We had an event in Malden. We had 1,500 people. We were in Conway. We had 800 people. People are coming out because they want something different. They want something new. And they trusted me as their governor, and they appreciated what I did. I now have to show them that we can translate that as president. Yeah, it seems like they like you in South Carolina, but it feels like they love Trump. I was looking at it. It says... It says a majority of the federal, state, and local Republican elected officials endorsed Trump. Does, does that hurt you? Do you know why Trump, that happened? South Carolina? Do you know why that happened? Okay. So they're saying, you know, a reporter said, so how do you feel that, you know, the governor of South Carolina, you know, is standing behind Donald Trump? I said, I'm sorry, you mean the one that I defeated when I became governor? <laughs> and then they said, well, what do you think about, you know, the political establishment up there? I said, you mean... The group that I forced them to have to show their votes on the record because they were hiding in voice votes, the group that I forced them to disclose their incomes when they didn't want to show it, the group that I um, vetoed half a billion dollars of their pet projects because that's not doing anything to lift up South Carolinians. So they never liked you. I don't want – no, I never – Republicans and Democrats, I call you out. Mm -hmm. If you do something wrong that's not lifting people up, I'm going to call you out. I don't care who you are. So the political class was never there. I mean, you mean Lindsey Graham, who's so stuck next to Trump that he, like, is scared to to say anything against him? You mean Tim Scott, who I appointed as senator? But – I defeated him in this race? No, I don't want any of them. It's the people I want. I didn't have the political class when I ran against the longest-serving legislator in a primary. I didn't have the political class when I ran as governor against an attorney general, a lieutenant governor, a very popular congressman, and a state senator. I don't want the political class now. Trump has surrounded himself with a group of the political elite who've done nothing for Americans. They haven't done anything when it comes to our economy, nothing when it comes to education, nothing when it comes to securing our border. And that's who he's going to surround himself with? It's exactly why I'm running. Did you feel like that was a slap in the face with Tim Scott? Mm -hmm. Because you did appoint him. Did you feel like that was a slap in the face? And the fact that he loves Donald Trump and wants to tongue kiss him, did did you feel like that was a slap in the face? You know, people have to deal with their 
decisions, he's going to have to sleep with that one. Damn. How did you feel when you saw him say, I love you to Donald Trump in that way? He's going to have to sleep with that one. Did Not ever, sleep with him, but like, we know what you mean. Did he ever tell you that he loved you after you appointed him in 2012? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even call or text me to tell me that he was going to endorse Donald Trump. Wow. He didn't call or text me to tell me he was running for president. So y'all were on good terms, though, right? Y'all... I have always thought he was a friend. I appointed him, one, because I thought he could do the job and not disappoint South Carolina. But two, I thought it took South Carolina to a new level. That's what I wanted. That's what I I always focused on in every job I've ever had. What can you do to bring out the best in people? Mm -hmm. That's what a leader does. You bring out the best in people. I still think appointing Tim Scott was the right decision. I'll always say that I'm I'm proud of the fact that we did that. I'm proud of the fact that South Carolinians re you know elected him after I appointed him. Um, but look, he's got to live with that decision. I don't. How much of it do you take personally? Though? I'm talking about from all the politicians. In South you Carolina. can't take it personally. I mean, the reason I'm I, politics. If you take it personally, it becomes about you. Mm-hmm. This is not about me. This is about the fact that I don't want my kids to live like this. I don't want your girls to live like this. They deserve better. You look at anybody in their 20s, they think both parties are crazy, and I don't think they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, the extremes on both sides are so toxic. Think about it. If somebody puts down a piece of legislation in Congress, everybody wants to know whose it is before they decide whether to support it. That's when you know you've hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, you're challenging Trump now, but early on, it felt like none of the Republican candidates were willing to challenge Donald Trump on anything except for Chris Christie. And I always ask, you know, how can you be looked at as a leader if you look like you're just constantly kissing up to Trump? Like you constantly look like you're just a lackey wanting to be his running mate. I've never kissed up to Trump. I've Mm -hmm. always told him the hard truth. When I was in the administration, the reason we worked together is when he did something good, I worked hard to make America strong. When he did something wrong, I showed up in his office or I called him and I would say, you cannot do this. Mm -hmm. But instead, you could do X, Y, or Z. There were 14 people in this race. I was disciplined and focused. I needed to get the others out. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be him at the end. He was not my focus in the beginning. He is my focus now. That's why you've heard me come out and say, this is the difference between him and me. This is the fact that we have to look at the fact that he now wants to raise taxes on every American by putting a 10% tariff. Think about that. That's taxes you're going to raise on every baby stroller, on every appliance, $2,600 more per family. When he gets into office, everybody talks about how good our economy was with him. It was good. But at what cost? He put us $8 trillion in debt in four years. Now we're like having to figure out how we're going to pull out of that. Look at what happened. And, you know, now he said yesterday the stock market's great because people are excited about him being president. How many more times are you going to let him lie? about things that aren't true and say, you know what, something's not quite right. And this also is about a general election. This is about who can win. He can't win moderates. He can't win independents. He can't win suburban women. He lost in 2018. He lost in 2020. He lost in 2022. How many more times do you have to lose before you say, you know what, maybe that's not the guy? So, so question, if, if you know, let's, let's say Trump does win, right, and then wins the whole election. Would you be in his cabinet? Because the thing I hear Republicans do, y'all will say all of these things about him, but then when he asks you to be in his administration, you'll be a part of it. I have said to everyone, I am running for president. Mm -hmm. I don't play for second. I don't want vice president. I don't want cabinet. I don't want anything like that. 
I am running because I think we have a country to save. But would you be in it if he asked you to? I'm not, I don't want anything. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything. No, I don't want anything. Mm -hmm. I have said it in every way I know how to say it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be vice president. I don't want a position. I am running for president. That's my focus. A lot of women uh, don't necessarily love your stance when it comes to abortion. Um, and, and, and why is your stance that way towards abortion and abortion rights and women's rights? Well, do you know what my stance is? I'm asking. Okay. Uh, I can tell you what it says right now. It says Haley opposes abortion rights, explaining that her opposition is rooted in her past difficulty in conceiving children. Okay. So that is the Democrat Party's talking points. I'm going to tell you where I stand on it. Mm-hmm. The issue of abortion is personal for every woman and every man. Mm-hmm. It needs to be treated that way. I am personally unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my husband was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children. Having said that, I don't judge anyone for being pro-choice any more than I want them to judge me for being pro-life. So let's talk about how we got here. Prior to 1973, you had 46 state laws that said where people, where states were on abortion. And in 1973, unelected justices threw out those 46 state laws and said abortion anytime, anywhere, for any reason. Now the unelected justices have said we should always have had that in the hands of the people. That's where I think it does belong. You've got some states that have gone more pro-life. I personally welcome that. You've got some that have gone more pro-choice. I wish that wasn't the case, but the people decided. The decision that we're having now is should there be a federal law? But no one is telling the American people the truth. In order to have a federal law, you have to have a majority of the House, 60 Senate votes, and a signature of a president. We haven't had 60 Republican senators in over 100 years. We might have 45 pro-life senators. So no Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban these state laws. So what should we do? We need to find consensus. Can't we agree to ban late-term abortions? Can't we agree to encourage adoptions and good quality adoptions? Can't we agree that doctors and nurses who don't believe in abortion shouldn't have to perform them? Can't we agree that contraception should be accessible? And can't we agree that no state law should say to a woman if she's had an abortion that she's going to jail or get the death penalty? Let's start there. I am not going to demonize this issue. They have, the fellas have done this all wrong. You have to humanize this issue. Our number one goal is how do we save as many babies as we can and support as many moms as we can. I had a roommate in college who was raped. I wouldn't wish on anyone to go through what she went through wondering if she was pregnant. Mm. Everybody has a story. We need to be respectful of people's stories. You won't hear me demonizing or judging. The problem is the Democrat Party has put fear in women. The Republican parties put judgment. There's no place for fear or judgment when you're talking about something this personal. The only thing you should have is respect. Ooh. Um, <clears throat> let's, let's talk about some of the stuff that is, you kind of stumbled over the last few weeks, right? Like when you, when you say America has never been a racist country, I wonder then <clears throat> what did you consider the tragic shooting of Emanuel AME? What, what was that? Was that motivated by racism? Absolutely, it was motivated. Mm-hmm. But I don't think America's a racist country. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that America, when you look at all men should be created equal, you know, given life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we should strive to say, how do we make today better than yesterday? We are not a perfect country. 
we've got stains in our history that we should never repeat. But if I grew up as a brown girl in a small rural town, and my parents told me that I lived in a racist country, I would never have thought I had a chance. I want every child to know, is there racism in our country? Yes. Should we call it out every time? You bet. But you can be anything you want to be without anyone getting in your way. I just don't want kids to feel that. I want them to know they've got a chance. I want them to know they can do something. That shooting at Mother Emanuel was truly the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. Because you had nine amazing souls who did what so many South Carolinians do on a Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. They went to Bible study. Mm -hmm. And on that night, someone else showed up. He didn't look like them. He didn't act like them. He didn't sound like them. They didn't call the cops. They didn't throw him out. Instead, they pulled up a chair and they prayed with him for an hour. And when they bowed their heads in that last prayer, he began to shoot. These were people like Ethel Lance. She had lost her daughter two years prior to breast cancer. And she would go around Mother Emanuel Church, cleaning the church, singing, One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I ask of you. Give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Tywanza Sanders, our youngest victim, had just finished college, had the world in front of him. And on that night, he stood in front of his 87-year-old great-aunt Susie and looked at the killer and said, you don't have to do this. We mean no harm to you. Or it was people like Cynthia Hurd, whose life motto was simply to be kinder than necessary. That's who these people were. Mm -hmm. And when this happened, it brought South Carolina to her knees. And if you remember, this was on the heels of Ferguson. Every place in the country was on fire. But what we did, we didn't have riots, we had vigils. We didn't have protests, we had prayer. And we brought out the best in South Carolinians to say, it's time. And we brought that Confederate flag down. That's the way we have to go forward. I knew when I asked for the Confederate flag to come down that it was going to be an impossible feat. I had talked to legislators prior when I first became governor if the, to see if there was any any will to move that Confederate flag, because we were losing a lot of economic development. Lots of things were happening from that flag flying right in front of the state house. Republicans and Democrats, whites and blacks, told me not to touch it because of what they went through in 2000. There were, you know, death threats, all this. It, it tore the state up, so they didn't want to touch it. When this happened, we needed to do something. And and what brought it to light was you know, the the national media came in and they wanted to define this. They wanted to make it about guns. They wanted to make it about racism. They wanted to make it about the death penalty. It wasn't about racism. It was, it no, was a, it was. It was a racist mass killing. But, but the point was, I strong-armed them and said, there will be a time where we talk about all of that. But right now we have nine souls we need to put to rest. I didn't have that luxury because two days later, the killer came out draped in the Confederate flag. And I told my staff, I said, I want you to call four meetings. I said, I want you to call... Democrat leadership, Republican leadership. I want you to call the congressional delegation, and I want you to call community leaders. And I said, don't tell them why I'm calling because I knew they wouldn't show up. And in every one of those meetings, I said, at 3 o'clock today, I'm going to ask for the Confederate flag to come down. And if you will stand with me, I will forever be grateful. And if you won't, I'll never tell anyone you were in this room. 
And I had my husband with me that day because I didn't think anybody was going to stand with me. And at 3 o'clock, we had Democrats, we had Republicans, we had men, we had women, we had blacks, we had whites. But that was the easy part. It took two-thirds vote to get the flag down. Now, the Senate passed it quickly. And the reason they passed it quickly is because Senator Pinckney was the pastor of Mother Emanuel Church. And I'll never get over the night that I knew that happened, that I called him. And I said, Senator, I am so sorry about what happened. I will be there first thing in the morning. Whatever your families and congregation need, we will be there. It haunts me to this day that that phone was ringing in his pocket. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. He was at Mother Emanuel, and he was killed. So the Senate passed it quickly because their brother had died. The House was a big issue. Now, in South Carolina, half the people saw the Confederate flag as heritage and tradition. The other half saw it as slavery and hate. My job wasn't to judge either side. My job was to get them to see the best in themselves and go forward. The House didn't want to budge. I told the Speaker of the House, I said, I need that flag to come down. He came back. He said, all right, I did the best I could. They'll bring the flag down, but they want to put a different type of flag up there related to the Confederacy. I said, no flag. A couple of days later, he comes back. He's like, all right, we got it. They're willing to bring the flag down. And I said, great, let's do it immediately. Let's get this done. And he said, well, there's just one little thing. He said, they want to keep the flagpole up. For what? Now, I, South Carolina politics is truly a blood sport. I knew what that meant. If they didn't bring the flagpole down as soon as the national media left, flag was going back up. I said, I want the flag down. I want the flagpole down. He said, why? You could declare a win. You could tell everybody you got the flag down. I said, because I don't want any other governor to go through what the state just had to go through. I said, get the flag. He goes, I can't do it. So I went to the Republican caucus, and I said, I want to tell you a story. I said, when I was growing up, my dad would go to the big city of Columbia, and sometimes I'd get to ride with him. And he loved to stop at produce stands. He liked buying directly from farmers. And I said, and one day, we went to a produce stand, and he was getting his things. And I saw the two people at the register, and they looked alarmed. My dad wears a turban. And a couple of minutes later, two police cars drove up. And the police officer stood next to the owners. My dad kept getting his produce. He went to the counter. He paid. And he thanked them. We got in the car. And my dad didn't speak to me the whole way home. Because he hoped I didn't notice what just happened. I knew exactly what happened. And I told the caucus, I said, when I go to get on the state plane, I sometimes have to pass that produce stand. And every time I pass that produce stand, I feel pain. I said, don't let a single child ride past our state house and see that flag and feel pain. Get the flag and get the pole down. 1 a.m. that night, they voted and we brought it down. A question. When you look at the inequalities in America, in education, you know, home ownership, employment and wealth, health care, can you admit that there, America is systemically and structurally 
a racist country? I think culture has a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. right? But it's more of if you look at that, how do you fix it? Because right? even when you say all men are created equal, no, they weren't because we were labeled three-fifths of a human. <laughs> Black so, people were. Right, and we made that wrong right. Mm-hmm. And we've got some more rights we have to do. But this so, is So systemically and structurally, do you think America has is racist? Not not the people, not not everybody in America. I don't think America's racist. I think we have racism in America. And, and I think and I think we have cultural issues. But let me explain where okay. I am. So first of all, I grew up and you might have I don't know if Berkeley County was like this, in a town of twenty five hundred two stoplights. We were the only Indian family in that small southern town. We weren't white enough to be white. We weren't black enough to be black. Mm-hmm. They didn't know who we were, what we were, or why we were there. In that rural town, we didn't know what we didn't have. And so people just survived. I now have a education foundation in South Carolina where we do after-school programs in all rural challenged areas because you've got to give extra support to those areas that don't have. But when I came into South Carolina as governor, we had thousands of people on welfare. A lot of that was generational. From, from one generation to the next, they just lived on welfare. It's all they knew. I wanted to change that. So what I did is I took the people on welfare and I matched them up with businesses. And I told the businesses, if you will take this person and train them, I will pay for them for X number of weeks. And then you decide if you want to hire them. We moved 35,000 people from welfare to work. We had family parties because for the first time, kids saw their parents working. It's not that those people didn't want a job. They didn't know where to get the training. You got to do the extra stuff to lift them up. Then I went into the prison systems. I wanted to know how people got in, what happened when they were there, and how they got out. And I completely, and I went into those prisons and talked to the inmates. And I completely reformed the system to where we gave them financial planning, family planning, computer skills. But we put equipment behind the fence, and we taught them a skill. Now when someone leaves the fence, they have a job to go to the next day. We have the lowest recidivism rate in the country. The goal is not what the circumstances are. How do you pull people out of those circumstances and lift them up? Well, you can't hear what you don't reveal. So you have to acknowledge the, you know, the, his, the, his, the history of this You country. have to acknowledge that these things are happening, and how are you going to fix it? Absolutely. Now, I wonder, why can't politicians, Democrat and Republican, because we've all heard, we've heard you say America's never been a racist country. We've heard the vice president say that before. We've heard OG Jim Clyburn say that before. We've heard Tim Scott say that before. Why can't Democrats and Republicans just be honest and tell people, hey, we can't have honest conversations about racism in this country because it's not a good electoral strategy? I mean, that's not why I do that's, it. That's why. No. That's why I, everybody does it. I have talked about, look, I have talked about racism as it affected me and how we need to get past it. I mean, keep it. You, you can't talk about it and say America's never been a racist. You can't say America's never been a racist country, but then talk about the racism you experienced. There is racism in our country. Mm-hmm. I don't think that our country was founded to be racist. I don't. I think that it was meant to be this amazing experiment to see if we could have freedom and democracy in a way that all men are created equal. But if you didn't we look at all men, we are not there yet. But if you didn't look at all men as equal from the beginning then the, the ideology is flawed. But why do you want kids to hear that they live in a racist country? Why can't you tell kids, look, we're not perfect and we have some more things to fix? I just, I don't want any child to think like that. I don't want any child to believe that they're disadvantaged from the second they're born. I didn't want to feel that. I don't think it's a disadvantage. I think if you tell it somebody. It is, though. I think if you tell somebody it's cold outside, you just 
that just makes them put on a coat. No, it makes them it makes them know what it's going to feel like before they even get outside. I don't mm-hmm. want kids to feel that. I want them to get outside with confidence and strength and know that they can be anything. We have to do that. But they got to know the truth too. You yeah, know, they I have to understand the, the truth. You know, like I have two two black sons, and they have to understand what they're facing when they go out to this world. It's not going to be the same as. Let's say my neighbor or a classmate. It's going to be the same. And the, the same thing with you. you. And yep. same thing with you. If you, the you truth have brothers, not stop and, you. and let's say your brothers wore the same thing that your dad wore, they weren't going to have the same lifestyle, and they were going to be looked at differently than your other classmates. Look, it's the truth. There was a we miss Bamberg pageant that everybody would put their children in. It was the big thing in Bamberg. You always put your kids in. So my mom decided to put me and my sister in this pageant. And I was disqualified because they had a black queen and they had a white queen. And they said they didn't know where to put me because if I was in the black category, the blacks would be mad. If I was in the white category, the whites would be mad. So they gave me a beach ball and sent me on my way. Mm-hmm. A beach Did, ball? Yeah, I know. That's all I got, right? <laughs> Only after my mom said, will you at least let her sing her song? You're never going to believe it. My song was, this land is your land, this land is my land. I mean, it doesn't get any worse <laughs> than that. Listen, did my parents sit down and say... To us, what happened here was wrong. Yes. Mm -hmm. But did they say this is the way the country is? No. My mom said, you get up, you show that this is we're going to make it better tomorrow. I just it's my mentality that I want everybody to know we all have a job to do, and that's to fix this country. And we never stop doing it. We have racism and it's terrible. I've felt it. Y'all felt it. A lot of people have felt it. But are we not going to fight every day to make sure that we stomp it out wherever we see it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I I don't want kids being raised to think that they're never going to get past it. I want them to think that they can actually be the ones that help us get past it. But they have to know what it is. You can't take it out of you can't take it out of classrooms. You can't take it out of curriculum. You can't act like it doesn't exist. I they got to know what they're fighting for. Yeah, I have to I have to heal it in order. You have to reveal it in order to heal but it. But didn't we learn in South Carolina? We learned about it. Mm-hmm. We learned about it in history classes. You should always talk about it in history classes. You you don't know how to keep bad things from happening if you don't look at the past and say, okay, right. how do we go? For it? Those are the lessons that we have to learn. I think it's fine to talk about it. I have no issues with that. But don't don't judge people who are trying to do right now. And don't live in the past. Let's look forward and say, what do we want to look like? So why, so why did you take the Confederate flag down? Was it because it was a symbolism of racism or hate? Uh, like why? Because you said, you said it was two sides. And it, and it wasn't for me to judge. But mm-hmm. you couldn't look at that killer draped in that Confederate flag and not know that that was – it really is what I told the – I didn't want any child to ride by that and think of those nine people that died. And, like, we had to do that. Mm-hmm. That I had to, and the thing is, they had tried for years to get it down. It was put up. Oh, I remember. It was put up by a Democrat governor who promised to just have it up for a year and take it down, and he never took it down. So this is not where you blame people. This is about saying, let's right a wrong. And that's what I've always tried to do. If I live my life blaming, you know, what Trump calls me today or what somebody said about me yesterday or whatever, I'd spend all that energy on them. Instead of spending the energy on saying, I'm going to do better. Do you think Trump mocking your birth name was racist? I mean, I think we can let other people decide that. I think, that he, you know, you look at it and you, it's kind of like the Tim Scott, you sleep with yourself. I mean, we'll let Donald Trump sleep with that all he wants. Oh, he don't care. He sleeps very good at night. Ah, and then that's why we need a new president. What's your thoughts on immigration? 
So first of all, we got to secure the border. I mean, America's acting like it's September 10th, and we better remember what September 12th felt like. It only takes one person. And I have been to the border, and it's horrific what's happening for both, for the people that are coming and for the people that have to live with it. So first, secure the border. We passed the toughest illegal immigration law in the country when I was governor. And we, I think the way we fix it is you say we're going to have a national E-Verify program. Every business has to prove that the people they hire are in this country legally. We've got to defund sanctuary cities once and for all. If they know there's a safe haven, they're going to keep coming. you got to put 25,000 Border Patrol and ICE agents on the ground and let them do their job. They're not letting them do it now. We have to go back to the Remain in Mexico policy so that no one steps foot on U.S. soil. And instead of catch and release, you got to go to catch and deport. But you also have to do legal immigration reform. It should not take someone 10 years to become a citizen. I mean, right now, we've got to focus on what we need to do to get all of that slowness and bureaucracy out and allow it to be based on merit. Mm -hmm. What makes our country better? Start when you do it on merit. Then all of a sudden you're helping the economy, you're helping the country, you're doing all of those things. But they got to do both. And it's inexcusable that they continue to push this can down the road and wait for something bad to happen instead of just securing that border right now. It's but, it's terrible. But, you know, re- Republicans are kind of politicizing it right now, right? Because there is a deal on the table. I don't know if it's considered a good deal or not, but do you think Republicans should take Joe Biden's deal or should they listen to Donald Trump who's telling them, no, don't take it because he just wants the credit for it if he wins. I mean, I think it is a mistake for Trump to say, I don't want anything because it'll make it harder for me in election. Mm -hmm. Something needs to be done today. Like to me, Republicans and Democrats, they shouldn't leave D.C. until they fix this. And Biden should stay there and make sure they do it. That I don't know the full details of the deal. The only thing I do know is it doesn't have the remain in Mexico policy, which is very important. People need to stay in Mexico. They shouldn't come here. They're not vetting anybody. And you shouldn't allow anybody to come across that we don't know who they are, what they are, all of that. So if we're going to do it, we all know Congress. Once Congress passes something, they walk away and say, oh, we did that already. Mm -hmm. Do it right. Do it right. But should they wait till the election to do it? No, you get it done now. We can't wait another day. Why not use that against Trump? Like, why not tell the American people, hey, the borders, the border deal could be done right now. But Trump is, you know, impeding on that progress. I mean, look, the the media is not talking about it. I have Mm -hmm. said that it is not a good thing to say you're going to wait until the election to get it done. You Americans can't wait until the election. I've called it out. I'm happy to call it, but I also think it should be a good deal. It needs to be a strong deal if we're going to do this. It needs to keep Americans safe. Wouldn't that make Trump the shadow president? The fact that he can just say on Truth Social, hey, man, I don't think y'all should do the deal and Republicans are actually listening to him. I mean, yesterday he said that the reason the stock market was good was because of him, yeah. because people now think he's going to win. I mean, Americans aren't stupid. They're mm-hmm. not. But what we do need to do is see reality for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's this. Is, I, I don't have like personal issues with him. That's just not it. But do we really want to keep going in this direction? Mm -hmm. Do we really want all this chaos? Because no one feels safe. No one feels like America's moving. Our enemies don't know what happened to us and are taking advantage of it. And we've got to start looking in the mirror and saying, we can either be part of the solution or not. That's why we're trying to get everybody out to vote in a primary. You've got options. You've got options. A lot of people vote in a general election, but they don't vote in a primary. Mm-hmm. In a general election, you're given a choice. In a primary, you make the choice. That's why we need to have people voting in South Carolina. I've got a few more questions because you've given us a lot of time. Thank you. Um, 
would you use force against Texas if they tried to secede over the border issue? Because I remember in 2010, you said you, you U.S. states should have the right to secede. Do you still believe that? I believe in states' rights. Okay. I believe that everything should be as close to the people to decide. Mm-hmm. We know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's not the issue. But I do think, like right now, it's a good issue on states' rights. Biden won't secure the border. Mm-hmm. If Governor Abbott goes and puts that fencing up there to keep people out, he has to protect Texans. When I was governor, I had to protect South Carolina. You do whatever it takes to protect your people and keep them safe. Mm-hmm. If Biden's saying, no, cut that fence, I mean, a state has the ability to do these things because states' rights do matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that states need to be able to do that. Would you use force against Texas if they ever tried to secede? Use force against them? Yeah. No, we don't ever use force against our own Americans. Okay. I guess I don't mean like military or anything like that. I'm just talking about like, would you be strong against them doing that? I mean, I think, you know, states are going to make decisions, but we're, let's talk about what's reality. Mm-hmm. Texas isn't going to succeed and secede. I mean, that's not something that they're going to do. So why did you say you believe in that in 2010? What was the context of it? You said, I think you said you, be, you believe that uh, states have the right to secede. That's what you said. You believe the states of the United States have the right to secede from the I think that they do. I mean, the Constitution says that. I think states have the right to make the decisions that their people want to make. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. In South Carolina... We said we didn't want Syrian refugees. We said we didn't want Guantanamo Bay prisoners. We said those things. South, I do think that laws should be made as close to the people as possible mm-hmm. because it empowers the people. If Texas decides they want to do that, they can do that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that if, if that whole state says we don't want to be part of America anymore, I mean, that's their decision to make. But I don't think government needs to tell people how to live, how to do anything. I mean, I think that we need to let freedom live. And, uh, you know, I want to go back to the the flag. Do you still think Confederate Heritage Month should be celebrated? You said that in 2010 as well. So I, right after the flag came down, a lot of people wanted to remove monuments Mm -hmm. and street signs. And, you know, South Carolina is draped in history. And what I said then and what I still say now is taking down a monument, taking down something, doesn't change the situation. Add to it. So instead of taking down a monument, they're putting up a memorial for Mother Emanuel. There's an African-American museum now right there in Charleston. Add to the history. Don't erase history because that's what teaches us lessons. Mm -hmm. If the South Carolina General Assembly wants to continue having a Confederate, whatever it is they have, they vote on that. They decide whether to do that. That's up to them. I did my part. My part was saying we're not going to have a living, breathing symbol stand in front of our state house anymore and define us mm-hmm. and brought that down. We all have choices to make. The legislature, if they choose to do that, they can choose to do that. I mean, I saw I remember um, right when I asked for the flag to come down, there was one day we had the Black Panthers on one side of the state house and we had the KKK on the other side. Mm. That each of them, that was their choice. I made sure there was enough security that no one got hurt. Freedom does matter. I will always fight for people's freedom. I will never sit there and say what you can say and not say. I'll never tell you how to live or not live. I'll never control your life and say government's going to tell you to do this. I strongly believe that freedom, that people need to live and say and do what they want to do. I may not agree with it. But I will always fight for your freedom. 
And you know, uh, in 2010, you also said about the Civil War. You said it here in the interview too that it was about tradition uh, versus change. And then they asked you about it earlier this year, and you said it wasn't about slavery. But then you came back and said it was. Why? Why initially didn't you just say so the, hey, it was about slavery? So what the, happened there? So the context of that is I've done over a hundred and. 60 town halls, mm-hmm. answering every question, shaking every hand. We don't screen anything, all of that. When he asked that question, I made the mistake of thinking he was he was trying to ask something else. I could tell that he was not a fan. Mm-hmm. Slavery should have been the first thing that came out of my mouth. I mean, growing up in South Carolina, we all knew that the Civil War was about slavery. That almost seemed too easy. I thought he was asking a harder question, and that's why I didn't say it. It was wrong. I should have said it. I agree, you know, that, but it was just me overthinking that question. Did you feel stupid that night? Did you like, oh. Yeah. I mean, it was mm-hmm. one of those things, like, because it was so, like, slavery's a given. Mm-hmm. So I was mad that it was a given, but I was too busy judging his intentions mm-hmm. than I was just answering the question. Mm-hmm. And it was a mistake. You know, in, in your memoir in 2012, you said that you believe, you believe that letting lawmakers hide the sources of their income is wrong. But you, you've done the same thing. So why not mention that in your memoir? Say when did, when did I hide my sources of income? Well, I read a NY Times article this week, and it said they were questioning you about your ethics because of a contract you had with Wilbur Smith that you didn't disclose. All of, Not only was it disc- – first of all, they brought up this issue and said, why didn't you tell? Mm-hmm. We didn't have disclosure of income. But what I did do is anything that was a conflict of interest, I recused myself from voting. Mm-hmm. Because they tried to make this a thing – that is the reason I said we should disclose everything. So I tried to, anytime you see a wrong, transparency heals all things. And so I opened it up. It's why I required legislators to start showing their votes on the record. It's why I said we should all have to disclose our income. It's why I've always been very transparent. Anything mm-hmm. that people want to see, I think you should be able to see it if you're in public office. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you find wrongs and you make them right. It wasn't that I was hiding my income. South Carolina didn't require it. But when questions came up, I thought we should require it. Taxpayers should know where people get paid. That's the legislature hated me for it. But it was true. We all should have to show taxpayers whatever it is they need to know to feel comfortable about what we're doing. In a post-Trump era, when I read that article, I honestly was like, who cares? I mean, honest, that's, that's what, that's, that was my mindset. Oh, this New York Times, whatever you're talking yeah. about? Do yeah. you ever think about that? Do you ever be like, like, look what's going on over here. And this is what they're worried about with me. No, it's politics. I mean, I it, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm happy to answer any questions about anything mm-hmm. that comes up. What Do I wish they would talk more about the issues facing American families? Yes. Instead, they try and throw shade to make people don't like her because of this, don't like her because of that. But that's why I'm incredibly open about everything. I mean, there's nothing you can ask me that I'm not going to go and give an answer for because I think that you got to put yourself out there. Um, so, yeah, do we have to fix things when they write stuff like that? I mean, instead of saying she wouldn't disclose her income, why don't you say because it was an issue, that's why I passed the law so that that never happened again. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always tried to make things right when there's been a wrong. You have a lot of big Democratic donors, you know, who have donated to anti-Trump candidates and, and, and causes, and they've donated to your campaign. Why do you think Why do you think that is? I don't go after any certain kind of donor. Mm-hmm. We need donors. We need voters. I put myself out there. And so whoever contributes, I don't say, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Mm -hmm. Are you an independent? I don't ask that. If they support what we're doing, we appreciate the same with voters. I don't just go to MAGA Republicans. I don't just go to Republicans. 
I'm talking to Republicans. I'm talking to independents. I'm talking to Democrats. I'm talking to anybody that will listen. Because this is a story about addition. You should want, I've, I've said this to the Republican Party a million times, Republicans have lost the last seven out of eight popular votes for president. Mm-hmm. That's nothing to be proud of. We should want to win the majority of Americans. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to do is I want everybody. So if people decide to donate to us, I appreciate it. We'll take it. But at the end of the day, I'm focused on lifting up everybody. That's where I think our country finally needs to go. How is the war chest looking? Because I saw something last night. It doesn't look like you have digital ads running on Facebook, which I thought was strange. Like I went to see some of your digital ads, or at least the ones your campaign was running, and it says they were they were off. No, we have. Is so it? we are on TV. We've okay. got digital. We've got door knockers. We've got phone callers. We have. We're. I mean, we've got lots of commercials on TV. Mm-hmm. The money, I'm an accountant. So when the rest of the fellows were spending all their money on things that didn't matter, mine has always gone straight to TV where we can touch as many voters as we can. So we have enough to be strong in South Carolina. We're now raising for when Trump hits me to be able to defend ourselves. That's the next focus. But look, we're going to take it from everybody. And I'll tell you, I mean, everything from our money standpoint is good. But after Trump went on that temper tantrum, Mm -hmm. we raised a million dollars. After he said anybody that supports her... Um, you know, it can't be part of MAGA. We raised another $1.6 million. Mm-hmm. After he went and tried to say the Republican Party should name him the nominee, we raised another $1.4 million, all in small dollars from around the country. We have over 225,000 donors from across the country. 95% of those donations are $200 or less. Those are the people I'm fighting for. It's making sure we fight for every normal, regular American out there, not the political class. Two more questions. How has Trump changed politics for the good and the bad? He's made it chaotic. He's made it self-absorbed. He's made people dislike and judge each other. He's left that a president should have moral clarity and know the difference between right or wrong. And he's just toxic. I mean, he, you know, I think a lot of the things he broke needed to be broken, but he doesn't know how to fix things again. And it's not okay to just break. You've got to fix it and make it better. And he hasn't done that. What do you think he's done good for the culture of politics? And I'm not talking about legislation. I'm talking about the example I use is I feel like Trump has killed the language of politics. If politicians wanted to, they could really be on their bulwark stuff and really just mm-hmm. tell the truth, speak it like it is, and people wouldn't care. And and when you say you talk about the the uh, moral aspect of it, I never I never I never expected politicians to be perfect because I know they're not. So he's kind of like broken that mold to where y'all don't have to be. And moral clarity though isn't about like being a moral person. Mm-hmm. That that's moral clarity is just. Knowing the difference between right and wrong, mm-hmm. knowing the difference of, you know, should you call a group of people a name or not? Should you disqualify? That's the moral clarity I'm talking mm-hmm. about. What I think he did right was, one, he broke some things that needed to be broken. I think those were important, breaking the bureaucracy and and getting things to move in a way that people started talking about them again, I think was important. I think the other thing that he did was he really tapped into a group that felt unheard and unseen. And we should always focus on how you can, you know, and the unheard, unseen are people like where I grew up in, in Bamberg, South Carolina. Those people who work hard every day, they don't have a lot of time for politics, but they take care of their family. And 
but they felt unheard and unseen, and he tapped into that. And I think that that was something that was good. I think that, you know, we should always try and tap into those people that you may not see every day or you may not hear or they may not donate. You still got to focus on them, too. Last question. Is all this worth it? Yes, because our we have a country to save. Mm. We have a country to save. And I am not going to stop until we do this. I know in my soul I'm supposed to be doing this. I know it because I... One, don't want my kids to live like this. I don't want anybody's kids to live like this. This is not normal. Mm-hmm. It's There's nothing about it that's normal. It's not normal to have two 80-year-olds running. It's not normal to have this chaos around us. It's not normal for us to have wars all over the world, and you're sitting there talking about court cases and calling people names. That's not normal. You contributed to a lot of it, though. How? Being a part of his administration. Did Voting I? for him. No, when I was part of his administration, I told countries what America was for and what America was against. I didn't care if they didn't like me, but I wanted them to respect America. We brought respect to the United Nations, again, from America. Countries trusted us and respected us, again. I'm very proud of what I did. I didn't work in D.C. I never wanted to be. I went there. I had my national security meetings, and I left. I didn't get into the drama. I didn't get into any of the politics there. I didn't go to the parties. I stayed here in New York, and I did my job. And only went to meetings when I had to. I kept my head down and focused on what my job was. I've always done that. Do Republicans look at Trump as Frankenstein? And y'all are Dr. Frankenstein? So now y'all got to get rid of him? I think there's there's a lot of Republicans that still like Trump, right? Mm-hmm. They, they like what he did. They think he didn't get a moment's peace. They didn't think he got an ounce of credit. But I also think they need to understand that you don't have to leave him. You don't have to hate him. But you do have to say it's time to move forward mm-hmm. from Biden and Trump. Like we're it's time to move forward from these older politicians. And let's do something that's good for America again. All right. Nikki Haley, how did they donate to your campaign? Go to NikkiHaley.com. If you're in South Carolina, we could do early voting February 12th. The primaries on February 24th. Show up with your ID and let's get it done. Thank you for the conversation. That's Thank right. you. This was fun. It's Nikki Haley. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Wake that ass up in the morning. The Breakfast Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. 
Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.